Before we officially start this podcast, I want to remind everyone that the Ivy Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to the Ivy Sports Podcast Network to get all new podcasts from us. We would appreciate it if you were there. You would also rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow Ivy Sports on all forms of social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Facebook group does have a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for the day, uh, receive free gambling picks from Alan, and much, much more. And with that, this is the uh, inaugural weekly daily fantasy podcast show. Well, that's a mouthful. Uh, with your hosts, Keith Fleming and Joe Matz. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Well, you know, just trying to focus on fantasy football because it's going to be another long year for the Giants. <laughs> well, Falcons fan, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's uh, you, you get this. You're a Giants fan, and you do have a couple <laughs> of Super Bowls in the last couple of decades, so that makes it easier. But that first week, man, it's just so exciting. That's the best part about the NFL because you talk yourself into it. You're like, this is going to be the year. <laughs> everything's going to fall into place. And then it usually takes about 60 minutes and you realize, no, nah, it's the same old Falcons. I'm sure you feel kind of the same way. At least you have young guys that uh, you can start to see that, you know, some of the pieces for a future team where I'm, you know, getting really depressed because I'm thinking about, you know, we've had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones for a decade. And uh, sadly, I'm thinking those guys are not going to get a Super Bowl despite having the talent to definitely do so. Yeah, you guys need one of those lucky drafts like the Saints had to revamp that D and get something going on that end. Yeah, Arthur Blank, just he's a really great owner. I, I try never to bash him because being a Falcons fan my whole life, until he bought the team, we were horrible. I mean, we were a dumpster fire. I saw the other day that since 2000, I think we're like ninth or 10th in the league in playoff appearances and our playoff games played. We've you know, been to two NFC Championships games. We've been to a Super Bowl. So I don't want to complain about that. But like the Dan Quinn, it, it's almost like he fired Mike Smith. And a lot of people are like, why would you fire that guy? He had like one bad year and had won, you know, 12 games the, the previous three seasons. And so now he's gone the other way. And then I just think Thomas Dimitrov must just have some like naked photos of <laughs> him or his wife or something at this point. Because he, he, he gets just enough good draft picks to keep his job, but not enough to, I mean, there's so many misses year after year. Uh, the Laquan Treadwell uh, signing was a prime example that I laughed. People were all excited about needing to make the <laughs> damn team. So, uh, but anyway, this is not a show where we're going to bitch about our local football teams, <laughs> uh, but this is going to be both me and Joe love fantasy football. Obviously the more traditional fantasy football leagues, you will be able to get something from this because we're going to talk about guys. Um, but what, I've really got to where I enjoy, and I know Joe has as well, is daily fantasy because you can draft whoever you want week to week. Uh, I will say for people that are just getting into this, do the single entries. Uh, you will notice that there's some, uh, or actually a majority of the entries on there. You can have up to 150 different entries in there, and there are people that do this kind of stuff for a living. They will destroy you in those because you're going to you know, do one $20 or one $10 entry and there was tons of people in there with 50 to 100. I really like the single entry because at least that way, everybody's on equal playing field. Nobody's playing multiple lineups. Uh, and I think that's where you have the most success. But what we're going to do each week on this podcast is go through position by position. 
We're going to use DraftKings, uh, you know, salary. So if you're on FanDuel, they're, they're obviously a little bit different. I just, from what I've seen, most people tend to use uh, DraftKings, go through position by position, and just kind of talk about the guys we like. Uh, I don't want to confuse it too much because I was kind of using the word tier earlier, and I forgot now they actually have tier uh, groups on DraftKings where you pick from guys in tiers. I just mean that, you know, you can't obviously have Christian McCaffrey, who's the number one running back. I think he's going for like ten grand this week. Lamar Jackson, the number one, you know, quarterback at 8,800. Because once you, you know, fill a couple of those positions, you're going to have a lot of guys at the bottom. So I'm just talking about my salaries. So you can kind of have, you know, some guys we like through it. Um, let's get right into it, Joe, with the quarterbacks. Before we go, like, through these guys, you have Lamar Jackson at 8,200 and Patrick Mahomes at 7,700. It's amazing to see the discrepancy in costs between these two guys and everybody else at a position that is known for being one that there's typically not that much of a discrepancy in points week to week. That's how good these two guys are with Mahomes with his arm and Jackson with his legs. Yeah, when I was looking through this trying like two, I was like, well, really, there's there's one tier with those two guys, <laughs> and they're just alone in it. Uh, if I if you had to pick one of those, I would go with Lamar Jackson just because, I mean, with his legs, he almost seems at this point that he cannot have a like traditionally bad game at quarterback. I mean, if you look at his season last year, and the playoffs are a totally different, you know, subject. <laughs> but in the regular season, if you look back at it. It's just insane. And what was most exciting for Lamar Jackson owners and fantasy football leagues is he didn't really do it with his legs that much this week. It was mostly with his arm. Uh, you, do you like Lamar or Patrick more this week? I like Lamar more this week. Um, I, You know, I can obviously always see the argument for Mahomes. But, I mean, if I'm comparing Houston's defense to the Chargers, I'd much rather face Houston's defense. I mean, we saw the Chiefs run over them easily. So I don't see why Baltimore wouldn't do the exact same. Completely agree. So that's kind of the tier one. The tier two, and there's a bunch of guys here. You got Aaron Rodgers at Detroit, Dak Prescott uh, facing my hapless Falcons secondary that Rustin Wilson destroyed <laughs> last week. Drew Brees is going into the Las Vegas Raiders. You got Josh Allen at Miami, Matt Ryan at Dallas, Tom Brady at Tampa, and then we'll stop at Russell Wilson at Seattle, or excuse me, at New England, or excuse me, home against New England. I'll get that right eventually. Are any of those guys jumping off the page at you? Uh, I hate to do it to you, but Dak Prescott <laughs> is definitely the guy who immediately jumps off to me. I mean, we saw what happened last week to Atlanta's defense. We we didn't totally see what we thought we would from Dallas against the Rams, but I don't expect Dak to face the same pressure from Atlanta's defense, and then you've just got that receiving core, which is top five in the league, just running around, so... He'd yeah, be the, the Rams guy defense go. looked actually, I thought, really good on Sunday night. I, I was pleasantly surprised. So, I mean, to me, kind of to, you know, agree with your point, Dallas's offense is not that concerning to me. I mean, I saw C.D. Lamb already arguably look like maybe the most talented receiver on the field when you already have Amari Cooper, you know, you already have Gallup, and then obviously they got Ezekiel Elliott who just – a Falcons fan, he has destroyed us 
uh, the last couple of times that we've faced them. I, I guess there would be a little concern that maybe their offensive line has really taken a step back this year, but I just don't know if my Atlanta Falcons are the team that's going to be able to get pressure on them because it looks like that's going to be the recipe to slowing down Dallas's offense is you're going to have to get pressure on Dak and not let them hit big plays. Boy, do they have receivers for it. The other guy on this list I really want to talk about because I, I got to admit and Allen and RC are going to get a chuckle out of this for me saying it because I've been such a detractor of them. Josh <laughs> Allen looked really impressive on Sunday. And I know it was the Jets. And that's a, a very legit point because they're, you know, they pretty much, in my opinion, passed Jacksonville as a team that looks like they may be the worst team in the NFL. But he did it with his arm. And it was kind of like with Lamar. He had a decent running day, but I think he threw for like 330 yards. He threw some really good passes down the field. They have improved, you know, their receiving options. They now have a two-headed running back option. Uh, I'm not sure what to think of Miami yet. If, if you know, they're going to be a team that's kind of, I don't know, feisty, I guess would be the word, because last year, you know, that's who they were down the stretch. But Cam had a really good day with them, and I would think that that's a pretty good comparison is Josh Allen – and Cam Newton with Josh obviously not having the injury concerns and honestly better supporting cast. I could see Josh Allen at $6,700 being a real bargain this week. So I am also a Josh Allen detractor, but that's more to do with actual football versus fantasy <laughs> football. I actually have him in one of my leagues for just regular fantasy. And so I also was like, oh, that, that could be an interesting matchup. So I looked up how he did last year against Miami. And it was 7.8 yards per attempt, 230 yards passing per game, 40 on the ground. He threw five touchdowns, zero picks, ran for another touchdown. So yeah, he was I'm already good last year. I'm putting him in one of my lineups when we get off this. Uh, <laughs> then let's do one guy from the lower end. And there's some really good options. Uh, I don't trust Cam Newton yet against Seattle as good as he looked. I know that. You know, with Belichick, I, I'm all in. I, I said it on the, the NFL preview that we did on the backdoor cover. I think Pennsylvania, New England, for 10, maybe 11 wins, that's just what they do. Uh, the first week made me feel more confident in that, but I think Seattle may be one of the best teams in the NFL. You're going to Seattle. Uh, we'll see how that works. But the guy I'm looking at is Kyler Murray at $6,100. Uh, he's playing Washington, which they look very impressive. Um, especially on defense in the second half. They kind of shut down Philadelphia after they made some adjustments. But, I mean, Kyler Murray ran for 100 yards last week. He had the touchdown. He obviously already has Rappaport with DeAndre Hopkins because I think they had like 14 or 15 receptions. And I'm honestly shocked at home he's only getting, I mean, $6,100. You're talking about you're getting Kyler Murray for $2,100 less than Lamar Jackson. And I don't think it's that much less that you can expect week in and week out in production because he has ran more and more as last season ended. And then obviously at the beginning of this season, and then you got to love them having DeAndre Hopkins as a receiver. Yeah, I was also taken aback with looking through this and seeing where he was. I do not understand how he would be behind Roethlisberger and Stafford <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, the one concern is obviously – Washington's defense did look good against the Eagles, the, especially the defensive line. But at the same time, Murray just carved up San Francisco, who has one of the best defensive lines 
in the league. So I'm not overly concerned about that. I trust that he'll be able to maneuver around that. So I, I think he's the best value on the entire board. Is there any guy before we get out of here that you would stay away from this week? Um, I, I wouldn't stay away from him, but I don't see why I would take Aaron Rodgers for 6,900. He's more than any quarterback besides Jackson and Mahomes. And, you know, Detroit's not a great defense. They got, they got banged up last week in the secondary, which is why they ended up losing that game in the end. But Akuda's going to be back. I just, I'm not fully in on Aaron Rodgers back to MVP level. I'm wondering if last week was more Minnesota having an entirely new set of cornerbacks and just being a little lost week one without a real preseason. So there's two guys for me, and I know that there's plenty of people out here. If you do daily fantasy, a lot of times you go, okay, maybe I can get one of the cheaper quarterbacks, especially when they have good matchups. And you're going to look at Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Jets and Derek Carr in a new stadium at home to New Orleans. Carr's matchup is a nightmare. I think New Orleans' defense is going to be really good. We saw how they just manhandled Tampa Bay and really didn't let Brady get anything going and then Garoppolo is just not consistent enough. I, I, you know, I hated not, I shouldn't say I took joy, but when we were running up to the Super Bowl last year, I tried to tell Allen that, like, it's not going to happen. Like, your team is incredible, but it's such a mismatch at quarterback, and I just don't know if you guys can overcome that. And that's exactly what happened, because if Garoppolo could have made that throw late in the game, yeah. they probably still would have won. And obviously, if he could have just made more plays in general – and even though that's a good price, he didn't have a terrible first game. I think he threw for like 250, scored almost 20 points. That's not a bad deal for a guy that you're not paying that much for. But I just don't think he's, think he's consistent enough yet, and especially on the road, uh, I, I would personally stay away from that. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I, it's, it's impossible to hate anyone playing the Jets. <laughs> but... It, it, I, yeah, I don't think that's where I would want to go. It's like pay a few hundred more dollars. Again, it's four hundred more dollars. Get Kyler Murray. Yeah, and you can take a little bit less of a tight end or a receiver. So let's move on to the running backs. And again, it, it's amazing to show the top dog. Christian McCaffrey's at ten thousand dollars. It's getting to the point with him. The same thing that I say on the gambling podcast with golf that, you know, with Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas or these guys, that they're such prohibitive favorites. Rory McIlroy, it's the matchup. Like, do you really think he's going to go off? Because if you do, he's worth the 10000 He's absolutely worth it because he could score 40, 50 points. But if you're not really sure, I just say stay away because the return on investment's not good enough. You're giving away a fifth of your salary when you have to fill, what, six more positions uh, on one guy, especially when, again, if you want to try to take kind of a home run guy, you can take Barkley at 8,400, Elliott at 8,200. You got Henry at 7,900. Uh, what running back are you looking to target this week at kind of the top of the salary cap? Um, The guy I'm looking at is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because – Last week, obviously, he had an amazing opening week. But it's also just where they're using him. Because, you know, the worry with him was kind of like, ah, he's not that big a back. Do you use someone else at the goal line? He had six carries inside the five-yard line. 
And he had 4.2 yards after contact last week. Like, he, he, honestly, I wasn't all in on him except for the fact he was in the Chiefs offense. But now I'm like, all right, I was wrong. The people who hyped this guy up were right. He's the legit number one back. I was really scared. I, I wanted to take him in, in fantasy drafts. Unfortunately, in all my leagues, I picked ninth or worse. Uh, so I actually thought, well, here, he'll be a guy that I can take, you know, maybe get a steal. He was gone in each one of those drafts before I picked, which was really surprising. But then the more you read, I mean, I think it was Andy Reid who compared him to Brian Westbrook. And if you look at Brian Westbrook's career and his prime under Andy Reid, like, we should have kind of seen this coming. And what was scary was he didn't even really catch any passes last week. They just ran it wow. down their throat. And we know that's coming. Like, we know that that's going to be something that they're going to unleash. So I love that play as well. Uh, the guy, though, that I love right now, especially when he's not playing stellar uh, front sevens that can really stop the run is Derrick Henry. I mean, it, you can just pencil him in. He's going to get 30 carries and 100 yards. And then it's right now – does he get a touchdown? Does he get two? Does he break a couple of those 70, 80-yard runs? Uh, we saw it last year where defenses would just, I think, get tired of tackling somebody so big and strong. And then he just, you know, he'll start busting runs at the end, and that's when he had those really big games. But uh, I'm not saying Denver is a stellar defense, but it's always a prideful defense, and it's one that always gives a good effort. And, again, he had 31 carries for 116 yards. He had a touchdown. And then the most – like, exciting thing to me, he actually caught three balls for 15 yards, which is something we have not seen a lot from Derrick Henry uh, coming up. But uh, you just need to remember that last year against the Jags, he had 200 yards rushing and three touchdowns and two outings against them. Again, I really like Derrick Henry this week. And he's one of those guys that until he creeps up, because, I mean, to me, to get him at the value of the fourth is most expensive running back, Kamara's only, you know – what, $100 less, and this is no offense to Kamara, Kamara is so much more boomer bust. We know he's either going to have probably a really big game or he's going to do nothing. Derrick Henry is going to consistently get the rock. He's probably going to score a touchdown. And in these things, that's what you really want is you just need guys to have good weeks, uh, you know, for what you're paying for them. And I just think Derrick Henry is always that way. So I love both of those. A little bit further down, who would be the next guy that you really want to target or highlight? Oh, real quick on Derrick Henry. Yeah. They're also just, they're also just going to be going for it on fourth down like crazy again, <laughs> like after that kicking week. Um, let's see. So going down a little bit, not like my like... Falcons, just because <laughs> I don't know why they just decided that ever since that Forty ers game two years ago, Dan Quinn's the guy that's going to go for it on fourth and short every time. Again, this is not the podcast bitching about the Falcons, but... I'm for being aggressive on fourth down. The key thing, though, is sometimes coaches forget what their team's strengths are on fourth down. Like, if you're the Falcons, you want to be passing. I don't really care what the yardage is. Pass the ball. If you're the Titans, just pound the rock. Yep. All right, so going down a ways, I like Jonathan Taylor at 5,700. I think... I have the, obviously, we saw the Minnesota defense get torn up passing-wise, but the reality is that's generally been their strength in the past. They were kind of a mediocre run defense last year, and then Taylor's now going to be getting the majority of the carries. 
He caught six passes last week, which I did not see coming. That was supposed to be the thing he wasn't going to do. He was great in blocking, too, which is the big concern about him. If he can block, he's going to be out there a lot. Yeah. So he's so now he's going to be getting receptions, it looks like. And yeah, just, just for context, last week Minnesota gave up 158 yards, a touchdown, and 11 first downs rushing. So this is not a stout defense he's running into. I like that Colts off. Offensive line a lot. I think he's a great play in that middle tier. I agree. I actually am going to swap up what I said. Originally, I had sent to you Malcolm Brown at $5,700, who I still really like. But now that Miles Sanders has got the healthy tag at $6,000, the fact that he's playing a Rams defense, that the one thing they did not look great against was the run. Uh, last week and Sanders I think it's kind of easy to forget because he was so bad uh, early in the season last year that he had a great stretch uh, down the close and including games against teams like the Giants the Cowboys I mean he was getting 19 20 carries along with all the receiving that he was doing which I believe he was averaging almost five catches per game uh, again, just for $6,000, I think he's going to be one of those guys, if he has the type of season that you're looking at, same thing you could say about Taylor, honestly, you're only going to be able to get them at this value probably for a few weeks before basically if they start putting up the point yeah, totals that we think they will, they're going to be up ahead of Gurley, Mixon, potentially even Chubb, Carson, Moser, especially because of the workload deal. I mean, as we know, both of those teams, I know Hines is you know, technically – an option. He had a really big game last week, but the big thing was Matt got hurt. And like by Matt getting hurt, yeah. he's the only really three down back guy they have. Hines is more of a guy that you're going to use in passing situations, change of pace. And the same thing in Philly where Bart Scott is honestly, he's, he's more of a gimmick type running back. He is not a, you know, three down back. I hope Miles Sanders can be a three down back for a full season. We're going to find out though, because he's going to get his opportunity I also think they're going to lean on the run coming off a loss because they just they, they can't start 0-2. They're a lot like my Falcons yeah. uh, and the Cowboys that if they're really going to be a playoff contender, they're going to have to stick to their strengths and win this week because even with that seventh playoff spot, 0-2 is a difficult place you know, to kind of dig yourself out of a hole. Um, so the guy down near the bottom that I really like, and honestly, I don't care what James Conner's status is this week. You can get Benny Snell Jr. at $4,500. Um, there was times last season I was really surprised he didn't get more looks uh, because I watched a lot of them. I'm a George Bulldogs fan, so obviously I saw him at Kentucky. He's a beast. I mean, he was somebody that ran with aggression. When Pittsburgh drafted him and just knowing there's two kinds of running backs in Pittsburgh that typically have success, you have the speedsters like Willie Parker, and then you have the guys like Jerome Bettis who you just pound the rock with. And Snell's kind of honestly a mixture of both because he both has the ability to break away, but he's also such a physical back. I really like the fact that he had 19 carries for 113 yards. Again, for 4,500, it looks like Connors may try to give it a go. If he is out, I think he's a must-start against the Denver defense that we just talked about. Got you know shredded, granted, by one of the better ones, but... Again, a similar style rushing attack in Tennessee with Derrick Henry, a big back. I really like Benny Snow Jr. this week. Do you have a guy low on the board you like as well? Well, first, on Benny Snow. I mean, in, in the IBN Fantasy League, I drafted Connor and was immediately like, all right, 
I have to 100% make sure I get Snell because I don't trust Connor. And uh, Snell just looked better last week. So I'm not, I'm not sure this doesn't become a timeshare even if Connor is healthy. So I think that's a good call. And then uh, speaking of guys in like a timeshare, I like Zach Moss for, for, at 4,800. I think his value is boosted because they seem like he, they're going to make him the goal line guy. So even if Singletary gets more rushes, and they were pretty equal last week, Moss was the guy who had three carries inside the five. He had two red zone targets. So they're throwing the ball to him inside. And then and, uh, per PFF, he performed based on like where he got the ball by 12.8 points last week, which means if he continues to get that opportunity, you're going to see a much higher score from him. Unless you think Zach Moss sucks, which I don't. So I think he's one of those guys who's going to rebound. I, I think he's a double-digit guy this week. I'd be surprised if he doesn't score a touchdown. He was my favorite guy. Uh, every year I try to target a rookie that I think you're not going to have to pick early in fantasy drafts that you're going to get a lot of production and value out of for the season and potentially could become a star. He was the guy I got him in every single fantasy football league I'm in this year. Um and it's nothing against Singletary, I think is really good. It's just everything I read, what you just said, he's going to get the goal line carries in an offense that honestly, they're going to get there a lot. They're not a team that's going to have a, a ton of like, you know, quick plays, quick scores. They, they typically move the ball down the field. And then from what everybody said is he just looks like a better back. He's a little better blocker than Singletary. He doesn't seem to have the fumbling issues that Singletary does. And uh, again, the Bills are going to run the rock and I think they're going to be a pretty good team. So I love that pick. I hope that's true because I'm having to start him earlier than I thought <laughs> in a couple of leagues because of some injuries and stuff, but I, I'm 100% uh, percent on board with that. Let's move to the wide receivers where, again, it's it's interesting to see the guys at the top. You have Devontae Adams, who definitely earned the top spot this week with the performance he put in last week and, honestly, some of the games he had down the stretch last year. I think he was just injured uh, during a, the early to middle part of 2019. Michael Thomas looks like he's out this week, so please do not put him in your lineups. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins obviously looked like he picked up very quickly with Kyler Murray. Uh, you have Tyreek Hill, who uh, I didn't even realize he still got 15 points in last week's game, even though he looked like he did nothing. And I guess that shows the greatness of Tyreek Hill. Uh, Julio and Thielen both had great games, and then we'll include Goodwin or Godwin in this group because he's in the $7,000 range too. Uh, my guy this week is Adam Thielen. I-, I tried to get him in both of my PPR leagues this year. Stephon Diggs is gone. He's going to get the rock a lot. And, I mean, like last week, I think Cousins only threw it like 20 times, and he had six receptions and nine targets or excuse me, eight targets. He turned it into 110 yards and two touchdowns. I think most weeks you're going to see that. Uh, Garden Minshew kind of torched the Indianapolis Colts, so hopefully Kirk Cousins can do the same. Uh, And I just think that out of all of these guys, he's the clear number one. Like Thomas is also that guy. I guess you could say Devontae Adams is in the same boat, actually. Uh, But the rest of those guys have some legit options that can go the other way. So for me, it's stealing, but I actually like everybody from DeAndre Hopkins down. And it's nothing against Devontae Adams. It's just when you're paying another five, $600 for Adams, I think you're basically getting the same potential. Uh, and he's actually more likely to bust than some of those guys below him. 
uh, than the guys below him. So who do you like uh, near the top of the salary receiver? Um, so it's entirely dependent on him playing because he's in concussion protocol right now. But I like Chris Godwin at 7,000. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's the number one. I, I think he's just he just seems to be like more of a Brady type of receiver than Mike Evans. Who's, and also last year, Mike Evans was the boomer bust guy. Chris Godwin was the one you could trust from week to week. And I think that Carolina defense is just really bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I hope so. As a Falcons fan, I really hope so. Because if not, it's going to be a tough division. Because, yeah, I I don't think Oakland's that good. I'm an Oakland doubter, most because I'm a Derek Carr doubter. And (laughs) they had no trouble passing or running. So I think Tampa's going to be moving down the field. I think Tom Brady's struggles last week were he's in a new system on a new team. They How many times have we wrote Tom Brady off after it, one bad exactly. week early in the season in the last decade? Yeah, every September there's going to be some <laughs> game where people declare Tom Brady to be dead, and he comes back. So I, I'm riding Brady and Godwin for this week. I like it. Uh, there's some really good guys in that next range. Calvin Ridley is a guy that I've tried to tell a lot of people that are big in fantasy, just being a Falcons fan. Like, expect this guy to have a really big year this year. He's a great route runner. Everything I read in camp said that uh, he's really understood the offense, and now he knows what he's doing. Ryan has a little bit more faith in him, and he won't you know, be a big drop-off in targets to Julio like what he has in past seasons. Obviously, Julio's going to get the most targets, but Ridley's going to be right behind him because of his talent. Uh, Cup had kind of a bad game, which was a little surprising. Smith-Schuster, who's got a questionable tag, I think he's going to play. I was very excited to see him get back because I drafted him in a few leagues just because of, you know, his value. It was like this guy was like the number two receiver in football two years ago for fantasy purposes. And, yeah, he lost his quarterback. So he had a really bad 2019. A lot of guys would. Uh, Robert Woods looked really good. Uh, Amara Cooper put in a decent game. Will Fuller had some garbage time. But the guy I'm actually – you know, looking at is Michael Gallup at $5,600. And again, it pains me to say this because it's my Falcons, but I like Gallup. You can talk me into Cooper. You can talk me into CD lamb. Like you, we just saw Seattle. Who, I'm sorry. They don't have as talented of receivers as Dallas does just run wide open. And yes, Russell deserves some credit because on some of those plays, he was actually moving around the pocket, then finding guys down the field. But that's not somebody who can't move. So he's also going to be able to make some plays. And if we don't get quick pressure on him, I mean, it gives me nightmares to think about what these three guys can do. And I'm shocked that he's $5,600. I'm assuming it's because he only had eight points last week. But if you look at it, he had the targets. He just didn't have a big play. And he would have had it. If not for that offensive pass interference, which uh, I I don't know, it seems like that's the rule this year that the NFL is going to be enforcing. Because I, I used to only think Gronk got called for that, and I must have seen that I think six times in the first week of the NFL, where an offensive player would extend their arm like they do all the time, and they would call offensive pass interference on big plays. But I'm really big on Gallup and Dallas's receiving core this week. Who's your guy kind of in that middle range? Well, I, I'm with you 100% on Gallup and the entire Cowboys receiving core. <laughs> also, also, that those PIs, the situations they got called in, too. We had two games. Oh, huge plays. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I was actually pro the AJ Green call because the DBs they have to have a chance, and if you're gonna let a guy do that, they don't have a chance. But yeah, some nice acting there in the Rams Cowboys. I look at it more if they're both shoving. You know what I'm saying? If they're both putting the hands on the 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 offensive player has the right to kind of push away. Now, if they're like literally leaving the you know the corner or the defender and then shove off, that's totally different. That was kind of more what AJ Green did. The Gallup one was really weak, and I mean that, honestly, I thought he made a great play. But and I hate the Cowboys. I know you do too, being a <laughs> Giants fan. So uh, for me to say that that was the wrong call in their direction is something. But uh, so right in that same area, I I don't love T. Y. Hilton for the whole season, but. Daily fantasy for this week. I like him at fifty seven hundred. He had he didn't put up numbers last week. Nine targets, so it's not like he disappeared. And he's playing the Vikings, who looked like a friggin' mess. Lazard and Valdez Scantling were putting up numbers last week. So if they can do it, I trust that T. Y. Hilton can do it. And he's another boomer bus guy, right? That like he tends to either have a really big game or a not-so-big game, and to do really well in DraftKings lineups, you need somebody that's a cheaper price to go off. T.Y. Hilton at $5,700 can definitely do that if Minnesota looks like what they did last week, or if he just gets the targets uh, that he did the week before, which is big. Let me ask you something about Marvin Jones Jr., because he has been somebody that's got a lot of attention. Uh, You know, Galladay is expected to potentially miss some time. Jones Jr. was somebody who was, I think, like the 11th receiver in fantasy purposes last year before Stafford got hurt. Do you think it help or hurts him? Like, is he one of those receivers that he needs the Galladay out there to be effective with Stafford? Or can you see him still putting up fairly big numbers if Galladay misses some time just as long as Stafford's throwing the football? Yeah, he is an interesting one because, yeah, there are two ways to read what happened last year. The one was he and Stafford have this awesome connection, so he's good. Or afterwards, Galladay was the only guy who could produce. So it's like, well, is Galladay just a way better receiver than Marvin Jones? I, I'm not entirely certain either way. I, I would tend to think against a good defense, I would be a Marvin Jones skeptic. I think against lesser defenses, he'll get the targets, so it'll be fine. I think a team that can really key on him... I think that could be trouble. I'm not huge on Green Bay's defense, but at the same time, they got Jared Alexander. He's one of the better young corners in the league. I I don't think I would want to roll the dice on Marvin Jones this week. Okay. So for the lower price guys, I just want to remind people that Darius Slayton is still there for $5,000. He caught six of nine targets for 102 yards and two touchdowns. He has consistently, at least from what I've seen as I had him last year in my fantasy, been a guy that when he's healthy, he gets a lot of targets uh, and has a lot of big games. And again, this is a guy in that 5,000 range that I really love. Uh, before I get the other guy I want to talk about, you're the Giants specialist. I mean, he's, is he somebody you're targeting this week potentially? Yeah, I think he falls into that boomer bust that you were talking about where – you know, you could argue like, oh, maybe over the course of the whole season, Shepard could outproduce him. But Shepard's going to have a bunch of, you know, eight, nine point weeks. If you're looking for a guy who's obviously the only guy who's making big plays last week was Slayton on the whole Giants offense. That was pretty much true last year, too. 
So to me, if you're going to roll the dice on any Giants player besides Barkley, obviously, absolutely. I think five thousand, he could be well worth the risk there. So for forty one hundred dollars, the guy I'm highlighting is Scotty Miller of the Tampa Bay Bucks. It looks like Tom Brady took Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, and Danny <laughs> Amendola, cloned them uh, using all three of their DNA, and all of a sudden Scotty Miller comes out there. I didn't even know he was on their roster. And watching that game, seeing a little white guy in the slot get open over and over again, he caught five of the six targets for 73 yards. And I'm not going to lie, I immediately in any league that there wasn't a player of a lot better value I saw out there, I went and grabbed this guy up because we know how Brady loves these guys. He looks shifty. He looked like somebody that can get off the line quickly. And Brady... That's what worries me about Evans, even with him playing. I just haven't seen Brady throw the ball down the field in a long time on a consistent basis. I think that's why you're, you know, what you're talking about with Godwin is like spot on. He's going to be a lot more closer to Brady on his routes than Evans will. And again, for 4,100, I mean, he got six targets. Yes, I know Evans was gone, but I think that they're going to use this guy even more, having seen sort of that rapport that he had with Brady when he, you know, wasn't supposed to be a factor. Yeah, that's a, a guy I'd not heard of, like, 10 days ago. <laughs> he's, now he's like the, yeah, he's the next Wes Welker. He might as well have been Joe Matz or Keith Fleming out there, because he looks <laughs> like us, and he's about the same size. Uh, all right, so the, the cheaper guy I'm looking at for wide receiver is Deontay Johnson at 4,500. He had 10 targets last week against the Giants. He would. He honestly, he had a drop or two where he missed out on like 15, 20 yards. And then he's facing Denver, who made Corey Davis look like the guy Corey Davis was supposed to be. So if the same thing happens this week where Denver's trying to key off of Juju, then I think Deontay is going to have a lot of opportunities. He is another guy that I targeted in a lot of drafts this year because he, again, kind of sort of figured something out. It seemed like at the end of the season last year, if you remember, I think it's only his third year in the league, right? He wasn't a rookie last year. That was the second year. Is that right? Or was he a rookie? No, no, no. He rookie last year. Oh, so even better. So he was a rookie. And we know how Pittsburgh, they know receivers. Like It's oh, like yeah. what I tell people. If somebody looks talented in a Pittsburgh uniform, uh you better watch out because they know how to, you know, produce and draft receivers. You can't hold it against them that Duck Hodges was not, you know, <laughs> throwing them open every other game. And with Big Ben out there, even though he didn't look quite as good as I, I was hoping he would as somebody who has put a few bets on the Steelers this year uh, for futures, I do think he looks well enough where you're going to see their receiving core is going to really get back to it. Um, the tight end. I am, at this point, shocked that they are disrespecting my man Mark Andrews like this. You have Travis Kelsey at 7,000, Greg Kittle at 6,700. I'm not saying both of those guys do not deserve the respect they have. They're two of the best tight ends in football. But the third other guy in that group is Mark Andrews. He was another guy targeted in almost every league this year because he did all of his damage that he did last year. And, I mean, it was a lot only playing, I think it was like 25% of the offensive snaps. They got rid of Hayden Hurst. 
They said he worked on his blocking. Lamar Jackson obviously loves him. And so what does he do? He comes out with five for 58 and two touchdowns, which is exactly what he did all of last season as he brought in 10 touchdowns on 64 catches for uh, almost 900 yards. He had almost 100 targets, which is the big thing. Uh, And again, he was only out for, I think, like 25 or 30 percent of their plays. So he's going to see the field more this year. I love Mark Andrews week in and week out. And again, for 6300 bucks, this is where I look at it with the receivers, and, and this is just kind of how I build my lineups. I would rather spend the extra on the tight end and potentially even have two of them if you feel good about two of the guys with one in the, the uh, uh, excuse me, the uh, flex position and one in the tight end than, you know, taking, say, the top receiver who has a little bit tougher matchup because you're going to get Andrews for 6,300 yards. For all intents and purposes, he is the number one receiver on the Ravens. So you're going to have to pay, you know, like what we're talking about, 7,800 or 7,500 for these number one receivers that are actually wide receivers. You can basically get the same thing with Mark Andrews. He's probably more likely to score a touchdown than most of the guys on those wide receiver lists. I love Mark Andrews every week, but especially against a hapless defense like the Houston Texans, who have had uh, problems not just obviously in week one, but in 2019 covering tight ends. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, to your point, in that same game, you could get Will Fuller for $6,300. Exactly. I know which guy I would want. Um, Also, Kittle's a little banged up, but if he's good to go, I mean, again, the Jets just gave up 300 yards passing to Josh (laughs) Allen. So who else is Jimmy G going to throw to? If Kittle's good to go, I'd be good to have him on my team anytime. I completely agree there. The guy that I don't want to uh, forget about before we move down to some others, Evan Ingram is somebody I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he had such a bad game. He got seven targets. And I'm, I have a lot of stock in this guy. I drafted him in a couple of leagues. He's somebody that I think you should definitely take a look at at $5,300 this week because they're going to continue to try to get him the ball, right? You're the Giants expert. You're the one that sees stuff on. He is one of their most talented dudes on their roster, and I'm encouraged. I know he only caught two passes for nine yards. He had seven targets. So they made it a focal point to get him the ball. He's going to have better weeks most weeks that he gets seven targets. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Ingram, obviously, the main thing is health. Right. If he stays healthy the whole year, then, yeah, I expect him to eventually be a productive top, minimum top eight tight end. Uh, who's your kind of middle of the pack guy that you're looking at this week? Um, so I like Hunter Henry at a 5100. I think it, he looks like he had decent chemistry with Tyrod. Tyrod was thrown to him in the end zone or the red zone. He had three targets. One of those was negated by a penalty, but he's looking for him in scoring situations. Kansas City has given up 17 red zone targets over the last year. That's the most in the NFL. And Henry was second in air yards. So that's the passes thrown to him, how far they were in the air. He was second among all tight ends last week, 78 yards. So he's not just someone who's going to be dinking and dunking. You can get real yardage and potentially a touchdown from Hunter Henry. And they're going to be passing because they're going to be losing. And he's another one of those guys that you could say the same thing you just said about Ingram. If he's healthy, he has consistently put up points, yards, touchdowns, all that stuff in fantasy. And this is why I love 
DraftKings and Daily Fantasy over season long is you can take a Hunter Henry, and if he gets hurt, oh well, you lost that <laughs> right. lineup. You're not done for the season, so that's the kind of guy you definitely you know you can target. Uh, I apologize, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I think it's Janu Smith for the Tennessee Titans. He's going for $4,200. He was a guy I targeted late in several season-long fantasy football drafts. Um, You know, he has no more competition in Tennessee. He is the top dog. He came out in that very first week with a good performance. He caught four or seven targets for 36 yards. He had the touchdown. Uh, Obviously, if Corey Davis ends up being what he was in week one, along with A.J. Brown. He may not get quite the targets that I thought he was going to get, but I still think he's a very good option in this offense. And Jacksonville is a team that has struggled with tight ends the last couple of seasons. They also did in week one against Indianapolis, so I really like him in that 4,200 range. Is there any other tight ends for even cheaper than that that you would like to mention or highlight? Yeah, so all the way down at thirty six hundred, I like Logan Thomas. I this see this is two saltines thinking alike right <laughs> here because I also had Logan Thomas. Go ahead and tell us why you had him there. All right, so I'm not high on the football team's offense at all, but he led Washington in targets with eight. He had he was third in air yards, so he had seventy six air yards. Arizona. Granted, they do play George Kittle, so it probably affects their numbers. They were dead last in defending tight ends last year. Isaiah Simmons is going to be good eventually, but he looked lost last week. I don't expect him to totally figure it out this week. So I think Logan Thomas is a great value play at 3,600. Man, I, I completely agree. In fact, I have him right now, and uh, I have four DraftKings lineups for this weekend. He is my tight end in two of them because... I just think that, again, the fact that he was a focal point of the offense, you have a young quarterback, you hear over and over again that young quarterbacks, a tight end is their blanket. That That's sort of their security measure, and it looked like it. You know, that was the guy he was going to the most often. And then again, Arizona's like, – I don't even think it's just 2019. I believe even in 2018 they were like the worst uh, team defending – tight ends it's, it's literally why they made the draft pick that they did uh and like what you said i think maybe by the end of this season he's going to be a problem but you know he's going to have to learn how to defend tight ends and with the more complicated playbook uh and until then i think it's something that you can expose so moving on to the flex and um i'm just going to go over three guys that i like kind of in each tier uh julio jones at 7400 he he continues to be just, in my opinion, the best receiver in football. Yes, I'm biased. I'm a Falcons fan, but I've watched it year in, year out for going on a decade. Uh, if Ryan has time, Julio's going to have a good game. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. I like the fact that they were force-feeding him too early. Typically, the last couple of years, they have not force-fed Julio early in games or early in seasons. And I think they finally realized, okay, this is by far our best weapon. And if we want to get Ridley and Gurley and Hurst and all these other guys going, the more we get the ball to Julio, the more the defense has to pay attention to him, and then everything else flows around it. Uh, Dallas did not look great against Robert Woods. And no No. offense to Robert Woods, he is no (laughs) Julio Jones. 
Uh, I expect Julio to manhandle those corners. I expect Atlanta to come out very aggressive because, again, to go 0-2 in a division with New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and, you know, it's it's going to be tough in the NFC. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC. I expect him to have a really big game. The second one's probably going to surprise some people. I really like Nick Chubb this week. Uh, I, I just couldn't help but have flashbacks of all the arguments for the last two seasons of why don't they give the ball to Nick Chubb more? Once again, they got down a little bit in that Baltimore game, and they completely abandoned it. He had 10 carries for 60 yards. Chubb was doing what Chubb does. He was averaging six yards a carry, and for whatever reason, Cleveland cannot figure out that Baker Mayfield throwing it 40 times is not the way they're going to win football games. I really think against Cincinnati – they are going to pound the rock. They're at home on a short week. Uh, typically, the home teams do really well uh, on Thursday night games. And I just think you're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb. If you want to play Kareem Hunt, I don't hate that either. because I, I just think they're going to run it a lot because they are another team. They need a win. They need an identity. And Baker Mayfield throwing it 40 times is not the answer. And it does need to be reminded they're playing the Baltimore Ravens, which, again, if it's not the playoffs, they've been one of the best teams in football the last couple of years. Uh, and then the third guy for the flex position is Anthony Miller of Chicago. He was another guy that I targeted in drafts late if he was still around there. You can get him for $5,200 this week. Now, granted, he would have done nothing last week if it wasn't for some garbage. Uh, well, I say garbage. They were coming back to win touchdowns. He ended up with... <laughs> Four of his uh, catches for 76 yards. I believe all but one was in the fourth quarter, including his touchdown. But he is the clear number two receiver in Chicago. You can maybe have a little hope for Mitch Trubisky after the fourth (laughs) quarter. I don't want to get crazy, but he did look okay. I mean, he came back. He made some good throws. And then there is some drama going on with Allen Robinson. Right now in Chicago, that could potentially lead to a holdout, bad feelings, whatever you want to call it. The person that would benefit the most from that is Anthony Miller. And again, he is another one of those guys at 5,200. He is a speedster, and he could easily have two, three catches for, you know, 100 to 130 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And again, the Giants had some trouble with Johnson. They had some trouble with Juju. I could see Miller having a big game uh, this week. Who are some of your flex plays? Sadly, I could also see Miller having a big game this week. So I, I, I like that pick. <laughs> I hope we're wrong. <laughs> we're, we're just picking against our team, which just shows how bad our defenses are. All right, but the upside is I am also taking one of your players. I got Calvin Ridley. I think he's an awesome, but I think he's right there with, Godwin, who was one of my top tier guy. So what he's, let's see, 6,800. Last week, second in air yards at wide receiver to Julio Jones, who was first. <laughs> the Falcons are going to be flinging it in any game. They're, they're facing a decent offense. So that's good. Since entering the league, 19 touchdowns. That's one less in that time period than Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams. Do I expect him to have 130 yards and two touchdowns again? Probably not. 
but I don't think he's going to be that far off. I think 100 yards and a touchdown is probably exactly what I'm expecting from him. He's going to have 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns this season. Oh, oh, yeah. No doubt. I wouldn't be surprised if they both go for like 13, 1,400 yards, honestly. Yeah, the problem is Julio, for whatever reason, will not score touchdowns. <laughs> I don't know. It's the, seriously the one thing that has just always baffled me because he does it in playoff games, but he doesn't do it in regular season games. I don't know, but Ridley. What I love is he just has a nose for the end zone. He has, as you just said, he's got 19 touchdowns in his first two seasons, which is nuts. Yeah, I, I have both of them in the IBN Fantasy League. I think so that's I smart. Like I did that last year with Tampa with no. Godwin and Edwins, and I actually won a league that I had both of them in. And that, well, my tier two guy, you, you've already talked about Miles Sanders at 6,000. I mean, that's. This is a guy that everyone was talking about as a top eight to ten back. He's gonna get touches. I'm uh, the thing is when their offensive line is bad, that could hurt him running wise. But I think that also just means he gets more receptions. Yeah, because they're not gonna have Wentz standing back there doing five and seven step <laughs> drops. And then my third not guy, unbreakable. <laughs> the funny thing is, last year he actually made it through all sixteen games. But then we all forgot because he got hurt in the playoffs. Exactly. So they just they 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 seem to be cursed just in general with injuries. Thought, so. Well, I think they sold their soul for that Super Bowl. I swear. I, and, and I tell people, was the Falcons fan? I'd do it in a fucking second <laughs> uh, for one. So I'm not I'm not hating. And then my my tier three guy. I think that there's some risk here because. I don't know if he's going to keep getting the same number of touches, but Ronald Jones at 5,200. Again, I think Carolina's defense is bad. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for points there. He had 19 touches last week. He was easily leading. I don't know if Fournette will eventually start cutting into that, but I think he's got the opportunity to really win that job. And again, Carolina, Josh Jacobs is better than Ronald Jones, to be fair, but he had 139 yards total yards against Carolina last week. They run similar, too. Like, I mean, I know, again, Jacobs is a better back, but they have very similar running styles where they look for contact, they break tackles, you know, yards after. Uh, and I just – I don't trust Leonard Fournette with Brady. I just – I think he's – I don't he's trust getting, him with anything. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's my point is I think Brady, you know, he, he's – whether he wants to admit it or not, he's learned under Belichick. I think Fournette's going to have to, you know, really get in line and understand, you know, what – the deal is, or he's not going to, you know, Brady's not going to let him be the running back. And people are like, well, Brady's not the coach. Yes, he is. Like at this point, <laughs> I promise you, Brady's making a lot of decisions with the offense. Uh, I, I like all of those. For the defense, you know, we're going to talk about several. Let's just pick two. Let's pick one that you feel really good about and one that you're intrigued by. I mean, feel really good about I this probably not what I would do because I think I'd probably want to spend the money elsewhere. Any of the top three defenses feel like locks. The Dolphins are not going to put up numbers against the Bills. Sorry, just so people know, it's the 49ers at 4,000, the Bills yes. at 3,900, and the Steelers at 3,800. Yeah, and so the Bills have the Dolphins. We saw the Dolphins offense last week. <laughs> Uh, against uh, a similar two at this point, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, if if he's healthy, we're gonna see him by, by October at some point. I can't wait. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, 
excited to see too. I'm hoping we get the Tua Burrow game later this year. That'd be great. Um, yeah, San Francisco's got the Jets. <laughs> look like a disaster. I mean, they're without Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if that means anything, but either way. And then Denver at least has a chance. Like, you can imagine them scoring points. But we also just saw Saquon Barkley average, like, negative. Pittsburgh's defense is really good, man. Like, I think that if you look since the Fitzpatrick trade last year, man, they've been the best defense in football. That was one of those trades where I was like, what are you doing? You're going to have a high (laughs) draft pick. Your quarterback's out. It was like, oh wait, now they're the best defense, so it doesn't it's like, matter. We're the Steelers. We've been good for a long time. Like that's yeah. you know, that's when those organizations are like, yeah, you fanboy, you you know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I said the same thing. But uh, for a, a more of a mid tier, intriguing option, I like the Cardinals against Washington. I know I hyped up Thomas earlier. I'm not sure I would hype up anyone else. I presume Patrick Peterson's going to be on McLaurin. I don't know who else is going to make plays on Washington. Arizona looked solid against San Francisco. Granted, they were down their wide receivers, so I don't know how much to read into it. But that's still a Kyle Shanahan offense with the starting QB. It wasn't working with a third stringer like it was two years ago. So they looked all right, and Washington had 239 yards against the Eagles. I, I, I would play any reasonable defense against Washington. I like it. Uh for the, the defense, I was going to say Seattle at home versus New England for 3,100. Um, you know, this may be a mistake because I told you I'm big on New England, but I just don't see Cam Newton with that supporting cast going in there and putting up a lot of points. Now, I know they're not going to have the advantage of that home crowd, uh, which does make it a little different of going to Seattle, but we saw what the advantage of being at home for Denver, which is legitimately a home crowd advantage. I mean, I don't, I don't really think it was that much against Tennessee, uh, but I, I actually like Seattle to do pretty well. I mean, they had obviously the pick, they had a fumble recovery, they had two sacks against the Falcons. And I do want to say, you know, I know I've laughed at my Falcons a little bit. They have a really good offense in Seattle. Oh, uh, like, like they contained them. They really did. And I think that needs to be said uh, that Seattle's defense may be good. Uh, I love your Arizona pick. I actually think, believe it or not, Washington also might be an intriguing pick this uh, week because, as you said, I mean, their front seven is going to give people problems all year. And if you don't make – I mean, they had eight sacks. Yeah. Eight. Uh, And I know the Eagles don't have a great offensive line, but – Cardinals uh, don't either. Exactly, and Kyler Murray may be running, and then you know, say two or three of those balls get picked off. One of them gets ran back from the house. They have four or five sacks. Now you're talking about probably one of the top scoring defenses this week. But the other defense that I would probably give a chance to is, uh, and I can't believe I want to say this, but I think that the Jaguars might actually have a decent defense. Uh, the Colts, I think. I know Rivers is a mess, but they have a really good offensive line. They have great backs. And I was impressed the way they hung in there with them and was able to take over that game. Jacksonville, like Washington, what me and my buddy always joke about, when you have top five picks all the time and you're picking a lot of defensive guys, you should have a pretty good defense. Uh, And I just – I don't know how great Tennessee's offense is going to be this year. I think they're going to be a team that they're going to do exactly what they did 
in Denver where they're going to run it a lot uh, and, you know, basically try to win close games, which is what they did last you know, year all the way to the AFC title game. That's not going to kill an opposing defense, though, because if you run for, say, 240, you throw for 200, that's 440 yards of offense. You only get a couple of touchdowns. We saw the issues with the field goal kicking. Uh, I actually think Jacksonville might be an intriguing play at 2,300 if you're just wanting to throw something against the wall. And I just want to say, I think the defense week in and week out is something where, again, unless you – same spill I gave about the running back with, like, McCaffrey. Unless you absolutely know, okay, there's no way this offense, even if this game gets out of hand, is going to put up a lot of points and hurt my you know, defense. And this defense is going to score some serious points. Just – just pick one, honestly. Like, take a matchup that you feel pretty good about or you think a team might, you know, say a good running team against a good run defense that maybe is not a great defense or, a you know, a team that gets pressure on the quarterback against a team with a bad offensive line. And just take a chance because if there's, like I said, a fumble recover for a touchdown, a couple extra sacks or an interception or something, that's what makes a difference in these defenses. None of them are really scoring a bunch of points. The most points last week were scored by the Saints at 17 the Ravens and the Redskins at 15. And it's like, you look at that in comparison to what you can get out of a, you know, receiver or running back to what Joe was saying, spend the money elsewhere if you can. Uh, Joe, is there anything else you want to uh, go over this week? If not, I think we got through there. We went just over an hour, but you, if you listen to any of my other podcasts, I love to gab. So uh, this is probably going to be about the norm. No, I, th- I think I'm good. I think we, we covered it pretty well. Awesome. Well, we're going to be doing this every week during the NFL season. Joe, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. This is something I'm, it's kind of like wrestling. Uh, It's just something I'm very passionate about. I love it. I think you can kind of nerd out with it uh, because, you know, I don't know what it's like to run, you know, with a football, you know, between these behemoths, but I do know how to, you know, look at numbers and uh, evaluate data and make decisions. And that's why I just love fantasy football. Um, but we will be back. We're going to try to do every Wednesday. Does that work for you? Yeah, that should work for me. And I think that gives everybody a little bit of time. Thursday game might be the one that you rushed on, but uh, we will put this up. It'll be on the IBN Sports podcast feed. So for Keith Fleming and Joe Matz, which uh, we will still right now call it the weekly daily fantasy podcast show with Keith and Joe, but we'll work on a better name. Uh, we won't talk about some of the ones that RC was saying that, uh, I don't know, even though it's, you know, being racist towards white people, that's not as big of a deal. Uh, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if some of those will float for it, but, uh, this has been great. And Joe, I will see you next week. All right. Have a good one. Thanks buddy.